Welcome back to the latest episode of Security Sprint. Um, this is our weekly podcast where we go beyond the headlines and talk about the security and risk news and try to bring about a different perspective, uh, as well as talk about the news or events that you may have missed. There's a lot going out there, and we want to bring it to you in a short, concise, uh, rapid fashion. Uh, this is a sprint, so the way it works is uh, we go through two rounds of topics, and then we talk some quick hits at the end. So with that, one week away, Andy, I bring you back into the fold. I mean, I I, I, I'll, be, I'll be honest, Alec was on it last week, so you, you got a high bar to follow. He was on it, and that means at least half of you were, so that's great. Now, <laughs> you seem to have had too much fun with me being out, and there's a lot of... Uh, uh, a lot of not nice Andy references throughout the podcast, but hey, that's I'm over it. I'm okay with that. It's a new week. Hey, let, let's get to it, Dave. Let's get to it. Okay, you're you're right, Andy. And as my token phrase during this time is, this is a sprint, so we got to get into it. Andy, you were yes. gone last week. Do you want to start off? That'd be an honor, Dave. I appreciate that gesture. Let me jump into things, and I tell you, I'm going to hit a topic in a moment that I hit all the time. But I'm going to start out with something we don't talk maybe about enough. But a couple of just conversations about just last week. So I want to start out with the topic of business email compromise. A great topic, a challenging topic, one that the FBI captures as the most significant cyber threat. We talk about ransomware all the time, but business email compromise or BEC, much bigger, much more common, much more costly in the long run. We've talked with our friend Ronnie Tokazowski a number of times about this topic. He's been on the Gate Team interview, probably the foremost expert on BEC uh, at FishMe right now. We'll share a link to his Twitter handle. A great guy, Ronnie. We really appreciate you. I want to talk about a report that came out from Microsoft on the 19th. So that was Friday. And this is their fourth issue of their relatively new cyber signals report. And we'll share the links for this in detail. I'm not going to talk all of it. Let's talk the top paragraph here. I think it's really worth noting. Uh, the new topic is, or the new uh, cyber signals discusses the shifting tactics of business email compromise. And a release on Friday, the report highlights the surge in cyber criminal activity around business email compromise, BC. And they note that Microsoft observed a 38% increase in business email compromise since 2019 to 2022. Significant increase. As something that's already very common, was already very expensive, has hit every sector, um, including all critical infrastructure, including the faith-based sector to the tune of millions of dollars. It's a massive threat. And just to, to talk about what it is simply, this is when the adversary uses social engineering or gets into our email and manipulates individuals, basically having folks send money where it shouldn't go, and that money is gone, right? Now, the Secret Service and the FBI, if they're notified within 24 hours or so, they've got about a 24, 48-hour window, they can try and pull that money back in. But after that, most likely that money is lost. And for, I think the key example we've talked about before, an Ohio church, I think, lost over $1 million dollars in such an incident, that can be a significant incident. So just last week, I was on the call with another uh, good friend of Gay15, Mark Herrera, the International Association of Venue Managers. We we're talking with a group talking about cyber threats for the community, the venue community, and a partner shared that uh, their venue had lost a significant amount of money in a business email compromise incident not so long ago. Again, pretty considerable impact on, on a uh, sector that really relies on those types of transactions. So you know, when it was manipulated, the money was sent, the money was lost. It hits every sector, Dave. And we have gay 15 even experienced this on our end when we did have a compromise a few years ago. And there's an attempted business email compromise effort. Fortunately, uh, it was cut off. Uh, we, we handled it. The, the individuals being impacted handled it. 
So nothing happened. No, no money was changed. But it happens everywhere. It happens to everyone. It's very common. We've got to understand the threat. This new Microsoft report really talks nicely to it pretty succinctly. We'll share the links. And Dave, I want to make one more comment, but let me pause. And there's a topic that you've talked about a lot. So anything you want to add? No, I was going to hit the... Um... I was going to hit the the Ohio church incident. And in fact, there was another uh, faith-based organization that was impacted earlier this year as well by another business email compromise. So to your point, it can affect a lot of people. What I think people don't understand is like these uh, attempts are usually um, uh, usually started because they've been penetrated by a threat actor. They, the, that threat actor is lies in wait there and then just hangs out, learns about the organization, learns how they communicate, learns the phrases and terminology that are, are engaged in some of these things so that when they do execute the business email compromises, you noted, you know, it adds the weight because it sounds legitimate, looks legitimate, everything about it uh, follows, mirrors what happened in the past. So, you know, it's not just about the recognition of the actual, the attempt as, it, as it's happening, but it's also that monitoring that needs to be occurring in your organization every day so that you're understanding where you've been potentially infiltrated, where somebody's trying to move laterally within your organization, and so on and so forth. So great points, Andy. This is a huge topic. And again, it affects all industries. No one is immune to it. Um, like you said, the one point, over $1 million for that Ohio church. And the other one, the faith-based organization that was impacted earlier was, I think, almost 800000 So a significant amount of money. And for a threat actor, that's a good payday for them. A good payday for them and a really bad day for that impacted organization. And Dave, you, you started moving to the last one I wanted to make on this topic, which is, is a lot about just manipulation and social engineering. And that's already a really difficult challenge for every organization. And if, uh, if you missed it, for anybody listening, on 60 Minutes on Sunday the 21st, our, our friend and also a gifting interview guest, Rachel Toback, was on 60 Minutes showing how you can use AI, right, a very exciting topic these days, to even further complicate the environment and socially engineer individuals. So we'll share a link to a great thread that Rachel has with a 60 Minutes uh, clip in there, some good comments in that thread that she shares. Uh, Rachel is the the mistress of mischief, I think, and AI has just increased her uh, her, her, her her mischievousness. I don't think I used that word correctly, but uh, but it's really good to check that out. Understand the complexities of social engineering because that's often how this email compromise is successful. So we'll share all the links. We'll share some Twitter handles. We'll share a link to the Microsoft report, a good report, a relatively new product, as I said. And Dave, with that, I've gone too long. Give the ball to you, sir. <laughs> well, good. That's a great round one topic to start off with, Andy. And I'll try to keep us all on track here. Uh, my first topic of the month or the week is uh, June. June is Pride Month, as many of us know. And we've talked a lot about protests and demonstrations over the past several months. Uh, and with June being Pride Month, I think it really comes at a very important time. We've seen over the last year several notable incidents involving attacks against the LGBTQ uh, community. We've seen a lot of rhetoric uh, against the LGBTQ community uh, as well. And I think it's really, this is going to be a really important time. And, and let's not forget back in 2016, we had the Pulse nightclub attack. Uh, it just really reminds us of the potential threats. And, and I think, Andy, some of the things that you pointed out, you know, there's been some, uh, you know, a lot of harassment. Uh, there's been a lot of, of uh, vandalism.
vandalism. There's been a lot of communications out about targeting uh, members of, of this group. And I think it's just as we're looking forward to you know, June, we, you know, there's two different perspectives we need to look at here. One is, is be aware of these type of uh, demonstrations occurring, uh, have visibility on them. Like we talk about all protests and demonstrations, you may be impacted from a business continuity standpoint, you may be impacted from uh, a supply chain standpoint. Uh, these protests and demonstrations, while not necessarily for Pride Month. They haven't always, you know, there's not a, a history of them going to violence these type of activities. Uh, we have to recognize that there may be violent activities as the environment has changed a little bit as we go along. So we need to understand the potential risk for that and, and what are the escalating areas. So uh, as you look at, you know, the, these protests and demonstrations, if they're in and around your area, consider what the impacts could be for you. You also have to look at it from a organizational standpoint. Uh, and as you have uh, individuals, LGBTQ uh, individuals within your organization, you have to understand that they may want to participate in this. And it, But it could also uh, stroke some uh, debate and discussion within your workplace. So we highly encourage, you know, to talk about diversity, to talk about these type of um, activities within the workplace, what is acceptable and what is not acceptable behaviors. Because I think you can really stay on top of it by having a forward-leaning uh, organization that's looking at these and addressing these, I'm not saying everybody has to agree and not saying everybody uh, has to hold hands at the end of the day, but it is important to really make sure that we're recognizing all individuals and that we're making a conscious effort to understand and protect everyone's rights within the workplace and outside the workplace. So really important month with LGBTQ um, the community and beyond. I mean, because there are a lot of supporters uh, beyond that and, and Pride Month is a big month. So I think for organizations, we have to understand them. We have to be monitoring our situations, working with our, not just our, our local fusion centers and our local law enforcement, but work with our partners, uh, understand what is, what is and what is not acceptable. Um, and, and in and around the workplace. So Andy, a short topic per se, but a very important topic. David, really important one. I think you know we'll share some links in, in the show notes. Um, maybe two weeks ago, roughly, uh, DHS released a report uh, that was talking about increased threats to the LGBTQ community. Um, that was a limited distribution report, but ABC News shared quite a bit from that report in, in an article. We'll share the link to that. At Gay15, we shared a couple of reports to, to certain communities last week talking about the security challenges and considerations around Pride Month and just sort of the increased uh, rhetoric and tensions that we're seeing. This has always been uh, a difficult topic, right? In, in this country, you know, gay rights, LGBTQ rights, and, and sort of advocacy come together you know, in Pride Month, and there's always some tension and clashing that's possible, protests and counter-protests. I think a difference, Dave, that I'm seeing is the last couple of years, the, the political rhetoric and the sort of acceptance of, of physical hostilities has just increased, right? And we said many times in this podcast, you can debate all you want, you can protest all you want, do whatever you want to do, you free speech, God bless, enjoy your First Amendment rights. You can't take that to actual violence, right? And we've seen more and more of this sort of protest activity across all issues, leading to you know arson, vandalism on all sides of, of all issues, right? We're talking about issues like, like, like Pride Month and LGBTQ rights. We were talking about uh, you know, the Dobbs ruling, pro-choice, pro-life. 
people taking physical action, using physical violence to, I guess, advocate for their beliefs, right? And that's where we have to draw the line. It's just not acceptable. And as leaders, we should be reminding those in our organizations that we cannot go that far, right? And so we see things, you know, besides all the political rhetoric, which is a lot right now, right? Uh, I just want to point out there's a, an, an article last week coming out of Orlando where a digital traffic sign was hacked. Uh, the, the text was manipulated to read, kill all gays. Now, that could have just been some goofy prankster, right? Having fun and being silly in, in their mind, right? Not, not acceptable, but it might have just been something goofy or could have genuinely been malicious. But when people see things like that, they share things like that, again, it, it, it feeds that one or two individuals that could move themselves towards violence down that pathway of violence. As we've seen a number of recent incidents we won't get into today, people make that progression and then cause harm. And as we have Pride Month celebrations, those provide great opportunities for those who would like to cause harm to attack those that they consider the offending party. So we have to think about that, and not just for those involved in the protests and celebrations, but all those around them, facilities, uh, bystanders, right? All that could be impacted by an event occurring at one of these events. So there's a lot of considerations for security leaders. You gotta think about what's going on in your area, what should you do to mitigate risk, how you take care of your people and your places. A lot that we can get into, I won't get into that in depth today, but a great topic that we should really be talking about and thinking about as we go into Pride Month here. Yeah, very well said, Andy, very well said. And I, I do think as in this highly charged political environment, I know we've been saying it now for about four or five years, but it absolutely is true. I mean, everything is is a potential fire starter. Um, uh, and so that's something we just have to really consider. So uh, great points, Andy. So that concludes round one. Round two, Andy, what do you have on the docket? Well, let me let me so just say before you get around to can we say like, like let's just consider all of Congress a, a a threat. Can we do that? Like everything that comes out of Congress and every politician's mouth right now seems to be a threat adding to our threat environment. But let's let's move on. So for topic two, I'm gonna keep it kind of short. I wanna wanna praise some good work and recognize a report that came out. Um, and I'm gonna come back to the topic of ransomware. So last week I missed this podcast and Alec did a great job filling in, as you said. Um, because I was at an exercise, we got to help lead for an organization that I won't name by name, but in a great American city, a great American organization doing really good work that a lot of us aren't thinking about every day, but just makes things work smoothly for us. And they had a great exercise in the afternoon uh, talking about the complexities of ransomware. And I have to commend the organization because their CEO, their CFO, and their executive team stayed for three hours and talked through this very candidly. Uh, challenge their plans and procedures or decision-making process. There are moments where there was a little bit of tension as we talked about some things, but they had a really good conversation. And see that level of engagement for that much time where the CEO and CFRC, they're talking directly to their team, fantastic to see. And, and we know not enough organizations are doing that. They're not having those conversations. Loved seeing that, loved being a part of it. So unnamed organization, proud of you, appreciate you, great job. Want to talk about ransomware for an organization that didn't go so well, and that's the Minneapolis public school system. They had a significant ransomware incident. I think we might have talked about this podcast before. It's been going on for a while. With the release of the data, a report came out on CBS last week noting that highly sensitive security information, including, including campus blueprints, alarm schematics, and the placement of surveillance cameras were among the documents that were stolen. Just think about that if you're responsible for a facility and you have a security compromise that leaks all of your sensitive security information that's out there, that's got a lot of cascading uh, impacts and potential threats now on the physical side, right? So just like blended threats can be that, 
that sign in, in Florida switched to, you know, say kill all gays, right? From a, a cyber threat that can have some potential physical manifestations and threat. So can this. So really order to think about what data is available. What could the adversary get a hold of if they access our system? What's encrypted and what's not encrypted? What could that mean to us? And we've got to ask those questions and properly secure our environment because what happened in Minnesota is a real concern, right? It, it could be used by a, by a hostile party in a really negative way. We've got to think about those things. The threat of ransomware is very real. We talk about this email compromise to kick things off. It's a very big threat. These two together are probably the most common concerns I think we have as a threat um, besides all the patches and vulnerabilities and things that come out along those lines all the time. So we'll share a link to that article. We'll share a host of others. There's a lot of ransomware activity, new ransomware groups, new ransomware threats, some good analysis. I will share all that, Dave, in the show notes, but a tough topic. Uh, unfortunately, what happened in Minnesota but again, great to see organizations that are doing the right thing, leaning into preparedness, building the plans, practicing those plans, exercising those plans, and helping themselves be ready for that potential incident when it comes. So I was grateful to be a part of that. Great organization. Back to you. Yeah, no, great, great comment and great shout out. I think that's really, that's where we need to be. I mean, again, we need to be on the forefront. We need to lead by example. And, and that's a great example. With regards to the Minnesota, Minneapolis uh, school district issue, um, Annie, you referenced, it, it is important to note, you know, a lot of breaches, the focus is always on customer account information, personal identifiable information, and for all the right reasons, right? What, what, what data was lost from a customer perspective or from an individual perspective? What often doesn't get reported is exactly what you're talking about is, you know, plans, strategies, security procedures and processes. What about marketing strategies? What about your long-term uh, viability strategy in the workplace? These are all things that may not be at the forefront, but they're important to your organization to sustain uh, your place in the workforce uh, or your place in the industry for years to come. That stuff could be easily compromised. And it is incredibly important that you're protecting that um, as there, because once you're in, everything is on the table, right? Once those threat actors are in, everything is on the table and you lose all that stuff. So great, great call out there, Andy, uh, for your round two. Um, I'll go into my round two. I'm going to stick on the physical security side. Um, over the weekend, at least 12 people died after a crush at a football stadium in El Salvador. Uh, in football, we mean the world uh, definition of football. By way that is, we're talking about soccer. Um, but what happened was um, it, it, at least seven men and two women were among the dead. All the victims were over the age of 18. It, it reportedly occurred after a large number of fans tried to enter the venue after their gates had been closed. Uh, officials believe some of those fans have been sold fake tickets. And, and obviously with a lot of these things, the investigation is ongoing. So we'll learn more along the way. Um, but what, you, what you'll see, and especially in some of the footages, uh, fans are trying to pull down the barricades or trying to jump through the access points. These are all concerning behaviors because we saw this not so long ago. Uh, the Astro World uh, uh, the Astro World incident, uh, I believe, in November 2021. Now that was there was a couple things there. There's a there's a surge within the the venue itself. But what people don't remember is that the access point had some challenges there too. People were trying to skip lines, jump over fences. They were trying to bypass the security screen. These are all concerning behaviors. And, and in this incident, whether they're fake tickets or not. The fact that you're they're overwhelming the access points is very concerning. And and 
why it's really concerning moving forward is because we're about ready to go into, if we haven't been already, summer is obviously outdoor concert venues, uh, festivals, fairs, um, you know, people hold uh, activities and picnics, large scale picnics in their um, in their public spaces, there's a lot of outdoor activities that are occurring and they're easily overwhelmed uh, by some of these things. And so we really have to make sure that we're looking and assessing our access points, but we also have to look to make sure that we're assessing our physical security perimeter and making sure that those are, are locked in. Uh, back, if we can go back to the California Clovis uh, garlic, I think it was the garlic festival yeah, yeah. Um, uh, years ago where there was an active shooter incident. Uh, the individual found a, um, a creek bed and they penetrated the fence um, where nobody else was looking and there nobody and was able to sneak into the venue and then execute their attack. These are things that as security considerations, big organizations are small, big event or small, we need to make sure that we have the right security posture to, to ensure that these areas are protected and that we're inspecting our perimeter, we're walking that perimeter, we're, we're making sure that nobody's trying to jump the line. And then on the day of the event, we have to make sure that we have the right processes and procedures to make sure that we can, you know, really uh, ensure the, the safe and effective flow of people into our venues. Um, Andy, I know you've done a lot of work with this with IAVM. Uh, I know my good partner here, Joe Levy, who helps out on the Nerd, Nerd Out podcast. He does a lot of work around this. There's a lot of great resources available to organizations. And, and this is, you know, <clears throat> as we start planning and preparing for these activities, this is one of those considerations. Andy? Yeah, Dave, great topic. You nailed it with everything you covered there, I think. And also mentioned, you mentioned IABM. I was out at uh, the Academy of Venue Safety and Security earlier this year in Pittsburgh. We talked about that a couple of times. I volunteer there. Great experience always. One of the sponsors of that event, not sponsoring this podcast, is not a paid solicitation, um, crowd cushion, new technology trying to help avert some of these issues, right? That signals to security staff when there is a potentially developing crowd crush, uh, crowd crush situation. I'll share the links to the organization. But you know, I mentioned that while there's great new technology solutions and, and it should be checked out by organizations that are having mass gatherings events, especially as we move into these summer months, new technology, regardless of the domain, whether it's cybersecurity technology, physical security technology, climate technology, health technology, technology is only part of the solution. And to go along with that new technology solution, we need to develop the plans, support, you know, how we're going to use and, and respond to that technology solution. You've got to train personnel on it. You've got to exercise it because flashing lights, just flashing lights doesn't do any good for anybody. So like, what do you do when you see something like that developing? What does that mean to you and your frontline staff? What are they supposed to do? How do they react? What, how do you respond effectively? You've got to combine technology with plans, procedures, and, and training and exercise. So love that there's new technology out there to help mitigate some of these potential risks because there's crowd situations all the time, but uh, they need to be incorporated into broader plans and procedures to really be effective. So we'll share some of those links. You can check those out further. Great topic, Dave. Yeah, and, and we're not above taking sponsorships either, Andy. So if, all, if any of these groups want to reach out and be a sponsor for this podcast, we're happy to have them. So <laughs> great part there, Andy. Happy plug for the organization. All right, now we're moving to our quick hits, or I like to call them Andy's quick hits because he talks more than anybody else. But Andy, before you start going, I do want to just call out one of my quick hits is, is over the weekend, a, a belligerent passenger was arrested after hitting a flight attendant with an intercom phone. This was over 
over some sort of silly incident, I'm sure, no doubt. Um, but I do want to call this out because, again, we're in a very high stress environment right now. There's a lot of factors going into play. Economic conditions are being very tough on a lot of fronts. Uh, people are being put in very stressful situations. You know, they're paying for certain things and they, they may not feel that it's being delivered. My point is this, is, is we are going to have a lot of people on edge. And I think as, as organizations, we need to understand and recognize that and develop those procedures for how we're going to uh, uh, adjust and adapt to unruly or, or you know, individuals who escalate situations. So that's my quick hit. Andy, I'll turn it to you to go down your laundry list. Dave, I appreciate that. But just, just to make the point, I think it goes back to that sort of acceptance of violence and response, yeah. right? Yeah. And we see that everywhere, right? People think it's okay to do that. So like, we don't have enough time to hit all the quick hits. Uh, we'll share more links I'm going to describe here in the notes. A couple of things you might want to check out in those show notes. Computer in Russia, breach the metro system and security concerns, amid security concerns, report says. Worth checking that out. Islamic State inspired terrorist attack in New York. Uh, guilty party has been sentenced. I think it's eight life terms and change. Good to see that guy's going to be locked away for a long, long time. Congress looking to expand CISA's role, including responsibility for satellites and open source software. Satellites, because space is critical infrastructure. Looking forward to President Biden releasing his update to PPD21, which will hopefully capture space as critical infrastructure. And President Biden, I know you're a fan of the show. Not really. I hope that you include faith-based as part of that update as well, as it needs to be in order to effectively manage information sharing with the faith-based community. There's a whole lot more. We'll get into all of it. Let me see. There's just a couple to mention here. A couple of hostile events. We'll talk about updates to the New Mexico shooting, uh, Texas incident that occurred, climate concerns over the next couple of years, notable update regarding the FBI and perhaps misusing, not perhaps, definitely misusing uh, some of the surveillance equipment that's available to them. Uh, timely incident, timely report with the potential uh, renewal of uh, 702. That's something we'll get into another time, another day, not today. But that and a lot more, including TikTok bans in Montana, in the show notes, too much to capture. This is a sprint. Dave, I did as best as I could to keep us on time. Good to be back with you this week. Yeah, no, it's good to have you back, Andy. And I just in uh, in your honor uh, when when you're not here, Andy. So uh, I do appreciate the quick hits. And again, that will wrap up our weekly security sprint where we sprint through the headlines and give you some uh, feedback and observations on things you may have missed or, or just a different perspective. Uh, this is part of our overall Gate 15 podcast. I do apologize. There's no nerd out this month, uh, the scheduling conflicts on my side, but we'll be back next month but there's a lot of other gate 15 podcasts we in addition to the security sprint we have the risk roundtable we also have the the gate 15 interview where andy interviews various guests uh, about security and and uh current events uh that one was published today so check out that feed as well and then we also have we we have the risk roundtable and the cybersecurity evangelist as well so check them all out there's a lot to choose from and a lot of variety so with that, Andy, anything to close on? No, good pod. Good to see you, Dave. All right, good to see you. And with that, we will bid you adieu. Ooh.